So today we stand at this horizon, time. From this high point we can look back, we can look forward, and that's why today is special. But what makes that so special? Every day is the cutting edge of time, isn't it? Every day we are actually making choices and going in some direction. Every day we're becoming something different because of what we do. By seeing ahead, though, by seeing yourself in the context of time, you can make today special. By the way, the fact that you see yourself. By seeing ahead and thinking about this coming year as if it were a blank canvas upon which you are going to paint your life. January, February, March. Winter, spring, summer, fall. You're going to create something at home, at work, in the world, in yourself. You are going to be somewhat different as your world will be a year from now. Consider the changes in your life, certainly in our public life, of this last year. Sometimes when we get to this point, we choose not to set our own course. Sometimes we just allow ourselves to be propelled by the familiar patterns of the past. Sometimes we just allow the current of circumstance to continue to bring us along. Or sometimes the will of other people will just determine our direction. Inevitably, these will happen. We cannot control the currents, the wind. We cannot control the momentum of our own past. But we can select a destination if we so choose. We can set our own rudder if we so choose. We cannot change where we've come from. Our past is obviously history. But your identity, our future, is created not by what happens to us, but how we respond to what happens to us, and by, how, by who we intend, who we want to become. That's what determines our identity. We cannot change those winds of circumstance, but we can set our sails if we know our heart's desire. Bob Dylan, singer-songwriter, wrote, that we will serve some purpose. Our family, our boss, ourselves, social justice, God or the devil, but we will serve some purpose. The months of winter are traditionally, for those in the colder climates particularly, uh, a time for hibernating. We inevitably look inward notice thoughts and feelings that are not so distracted by sun and wind and beauty of the outdoors. We tend to be motivated not by external possibilities and beauty, but by dreams that occur to us. We begin to notice our complaints. In fact, the winter is a time to harvest our complaints. Notice the things that we want and we need that are like nuts in the shell of those complaints. We, in these hibernating months, can fan the flames of our passion. That can keep us warm. That can blaze our future. So today, let's start the process of our winter dreams for this year. 
We can be like farmers. You know, the farmer takes the winter to plan, to plan what they're going to plant. The spring will be time for planting and the summer for cultivating and the fall for harvest. But this winter is a time for planning. And it's a time when the barrenness of winter allows us to see unadorned by leaves and grasses and bushes and flowers, we can now see the barren landscape of our lives. We can see what we have and what we want and what we need. Now, at this point, I'd like to pause and ask you for a yes, but. I hope that's in you that you can hear this big yes, but. And if you can't, find it. This is a resistance that's worth looking at. It's an urge I certainly have to keep my eyes on the ground that's right ahead of me and not look up to that horizon, not dare to dream, not plan. I'm actually too tired with what I'm already doing to bring on any new agendas. Why bother looking? Let's examine this a little bit. I think that the urge not to look comes from a couple of places. First, do I really want to face the challenge of changing? All of those trials and errors, every time you take on something new and big, there's that learning curve, and I hate it. It's hard, it's difficult, it's failure, it's confronting. It brings you right back to being a novice again. I don't want to face that, do you? A second reason to resist is do I dare to think that anything else is really possible? It may not be. I may be giving up what I have for some greener pastures that doesn't really exist. What a danger. I may not have the strength and the energy to create this new thing. It will make me feel lessened. Do I even know what I want? I don't know what I want. Do you know what you want? What a question. It's going to plug me right into that I'm not totally satisfied with now, but I don't know what I want. I know what I can complain about. But am I really any willing to do anything about it? I don't know. And if I did dream, would I really have power to create it? Or would I just get more depressed and delusioned, disillusioned about what I have? And even, what if I choose it and invest in it? What about all those other roads that I didn't take that I'll be leaving behind because I choose this one? I like standing there with all my options in front of me. To respond to these fears, I believe there's only one thing you can do, and that is remind yourself of your faith. Not your faith, in yourself, not faith in myself as I am, but faith in the human spirit within me that has potentials that are far beyond my imagination. I answer my doubts and my fears by looking beyond my personality, beyond who I am right now, beyond my accomplishments, beyond my habits, my preferences, my talents, beyond my memories, my histories, beyond even my expectations. 
All of these identify who I am now. These all are merely the creations of the underlying creativity that is inherent in my human spirit. All these things my human spirit has created up to today. But who I really am is that creative consciousness, that creativity that is the birthright of every human being. That is your human spirit, yours and mine, and it awaits you to have faith in its ability to create. And already, look what it has created. It's created you as you are. And what more might it create? If you can let go of what you created in favor of allowing it to create something new. Now, when I use the words creative consciousness, I want to be real clear. I'm talking about something that's very, very specific. And that is that inside of you, the source of everything you become is a flow of thoughts and feelings and will. Your thoughts and feelings and will are unique to you and they come through you, they happen inside of you, within you, as long as you're alive. Whether you're awake or asleep, you are having thoughts and feelings and making choices. This <clears throat> year, ahead of us now, is this empty stage upon which you will act out your life. It's a story which is yet to be written. Not only are you the hero or heroine of that story, you're also the playwright. Your thoughts, your feelings, your will are your creative source. That will determine who you're going to become and what will be. That faith is what is being tested here. The person who chops down a tree is affecting the environment, affecting nature, but the act of chopping down a tree is affecting the chopper. We become as we do. And tonight, today, I'm asking you to take blank cards and ask these blank cards to test your faith. They're going to ask you, by what philosophy do I navigate my life? Does everyone have one of these yellow cards? If not, raise your hand and someone will bring you one. These cards, I say, is our test of faith. And I mean that because to take seriously looking beyond the familiar terrain of your life and to look at some new horizon, are you going to identify yourself with the creative spirit within you and dare to have this dream? Now, let me be clear. I don't believe that this is an exercise like rising prayers to seek some kind of supernatural favor. But what I do believe is that dreaming about possibilities is going to plant a seed in the natural creative consciousness of the human spirit. And that seed can do nothing but grow and develop. But we must be willing to plant the seeds to fully claim that ability. Daring to write something on the card will test that faith. It tests it because a year later, two years later, you pull out the card and you start noticing what happens. That will be a confirmation of your faith. I believe, in fact, that prayers themselves function because people get clear about what they want 
place their intention in that want, and it allows the human spirit to create around it. Now, my spiritual philosophy is a humanistic one. We call it ethical culture here. Essentially, it's an ethical idealism. You know, the word idealism is uh, contemptuously popular known as a word that means um, some impractical dreamer. But ethical idealism in the philosophic sense is one who strives to create life as it ideally can be. And that's the kind of idealism I believe in. Idealism recognizes that we are reality creators. That's something natural to our capacity. That in time, all we are, we are always in the present. The only form of reality that exists is now. We're always living now. And when we are thinking about our past, that's a memory we're having now. And when we think about our future, that's an imagination. We're having now. All we have is now. And if in that now, we can start acting as if, we begin doing things that create a different now in the future. If we dream about the same old stuff, if we take a memory and assume the future is just like that, we're going to keep acting as we did in the past and we'll recreate the past. If we take, however, our sense of identity from the thing we now imagine is in the future, we begin to act in that way and we create a future. Everything that you are now, you once dreamt. The simplest things. I can remember when the thing that I wanted more than anything was my driver's license. Or a degree. Or a job. Or a home. Or retirement. A community. At some point inside yourself, you decide, wow, that would be nice. I want that. We have a choice what to create. But we really don't have any choice whether to create. Human beings are creativity machines. Your heart pumps involuntarily. Your liver purifies your blood. And the human mind creates. Ants are industrious. Bees are busy, cats are curious, dogs are devoted, and humans are inventive. We can't stop inventing, creating, any more than we can stop breathing. Even asleep, our imagination is creating. We are living and growing. Living and growing are synonymous. They're the same thing. Anything planted in your mind is going to grow, whether it's a dream or a fear. Whatever is in your mind, your consciousness pays attention to, and your unconscious begins to dream, put together. If we are gardeners, what seeds we plant in the soil determines what's going to grow there. And similarly, what we plant in our minds determines what will grow there. Never do you plant corn and get cabbages. Like seeds... Dreams produce very predictable results. Whenever we imagine life as it is right now, we get it. And when we leave that soil unplanted, we get weeds. Only positive dreams produce positive lives. We're always growing, either healthier or unhealthier, more or less loving, happier or unhappier, more fulfilled or less, closer to friends or further. Today, I'm going to invite you to ask, what do you dream for? What do you really want? What will 202 be like? 
How will it be a stepping stone to a different you, a different future? I'm not suggesting here any New Year's resolution. You're not here asking your will to decide how you are going to act differently. Uh, I've read that 73% of all New Year's resolutions are um, over with by January 23rd, which is a good time to go back to the gym. I'm not asking you to, to consult with your ought. I'm asking you to consult with your bliss. What's something that you genuinely value? Not losing weight, not getting up earlier, going to the gym, cleaning your house. Nothing you ought to do, but something you genuinely, whoa, really would like to do. Dwell in your dreams. Get clear about what it is you actually yearn for. What you would love. What would fuel your passion. Let's create here an alternative future, an ideal alternative future for you. And let's have enough clarity about it as your memory of the past is clear. And then you can begin to structure yourself a well-conceived architectural blueprint of what it can be. But that's not today's work. Today's work is just daring to dream. So take your magic cards. The next few minutes, um, I'm going to ask you to imagine as if it's now 2003, a year from now, so that again you can look back if you want. Let's imagine this was a magnificent year. What was it about? Let's take some inventory. There are some essential dimensions of every life which we take from the Hindu tradition, and one is that we need pleasure. We're going to ask, I'm going to ask you in a moment, what are the sources of your pleasure, of your physical vitality? And second, we need success. That's the ability to take care of yourself and your loved ones. And the third will be service in, immor in immortality. Service meaning giving back for what you've gotten in immortality, making your life count beyond your life. I'm going to designate some time for each of these so that you can reflect and just notice what comes up. This summertime, uh, this, excuse me, this wintertime is a slumber time, a time to dream, to allow many dreams to start. By spring, we're going to be back asking you to choose which seed. But for now, just see what comes up. So let's take a moment. Get your cards and pens. Anybody need a card or pen? Anybody? Do you have in the back? Do you have cards or pens? All right. Okay. Get comfortable. This is a conversation inside of yourself. Just notice what comes up. Pleasure. What's your source of vitality? What pleasures, what gives you pleasure? What pleasure would you like more of? What ways do you have of experiencing beauty or food or sensuousness or nature, art, friendship, whatever it is? What gives you pure pleasure? Pleasure is the source of our passion, our energy, our sense of self-preservation. So make sure that you've got some pleasures down there. Pleasures give you energy for everything else. Success. Free associate. Success arises out of our need. What we do with our energy is we have this need to be self-sustaining, to take care of ourselves, be safe, secure, 
take care of other people. What success now brings you satisfaction? Not success in the past, something you do now that you're succeeding at regularly and you say, wow, this feels good. But maybe because we're different ages here, perhaps your success mountain was, is behind you. Perhaps your success mountain is ahead of you. Perhaps you're climbing it now. What success, however, would make you feel more complete? What capacities or talents would you like to cultivate in yourself? What accomplishment would you give you some sense of fulfillment in the next year? What do you dream of building? How would you feather your nest? What personal accomplishment? See what comes to mind. The third one is service and immortality. Serving people to pay back for what you've received and making some contribution to the progress of history. Before you write this, I'd like to say a few things to set the scene. The thing that um, woke us up, I think, on September 11th is not something we hadn't heard before, that we are a generation that is particularly self-absorbed, distracted by the consumption and gadgets that we have available to us that our news magazines became entertainment about our fads and our favorite idols. And suddenly we're aware that there's a real and a big world out there that we're affecting, and it certainly wants us to pay attention. We here have to recognize that we prosper as no people in all of human history before us, or maybe more than any generation will ever in history a possibility. We are the beneficiaries of a culture that's really been created by previous generations. The opportunities that we enjoy, the liberty, the education, the health, the jobs, the technology, all these are possibilities that were created by people before us and people around us. Our lives are fulfilling the dreams of previous generations who dared themselves to dream about incredible things. They widened the circle of prosperity and possibility. And the challenge for us is how are we widening that circle of prosperity and possibility, opportunity? You know, I noticed the immigrant populations that come from poor countries, and their story is identical to the story of my grandparents. They come to the United States for a better life, for opportunities they don't have at home. And when they're here, they save their money, not for their own retirement, but they, so that they can bring family and friends to a land of opportunity. They pool their money to create some mutual aid societies for each other, to support each other when they're in desperate need. The question is, how are we doing the same? How do we widen the circle of prosperity? Consider the gifts that we have inherited. Women here vote. We have, at least in law, equal opportunity for women. We have civil rights for minorities, except you live in certain towns and districts. We educate children. We have social security for the elderly, for the disabled. 
We have a safety net in times of trouble. We have jobs and opportunities and prosperity unprecedented. Yet 13% of American households are virtually completely left out of that world. And when we bring our attention worldwide to human beings, the majority, and that's the number that always astounds me, the majority of human beings don't live like we do. Our species is basically an illiterate species. We do not claim, most human beings never claim their capacity to read or write or calculate or reason. Our species is malnourished and ill. The challenge for the American dream is a humanistic one, is a universal one. In the next 50 years, it's predicted that the population of the world is going to increase by 50%. And those 50% are going to be all illiterate and malnourished and ill. And they are going to be inspired. Larry King Live on a TV. <laughs> all of these ill, illiterate, malnourished people are going to be desperate to be fed and educated and employed. How are we going to make our life count? How, are we going to be able to open? Are we going to be that big sucking sound from Florida or wherever? Or, or, or are we going to be serving the world beyond our own world? Again, I'm asking you here on your card to trust yourself. I'm not asking for an ought. ought. I'm asking for a bliss. The Hindu idea of service and immortality is not that we ought to do this. It is that once we have pleasure in our life, simple maybe, but satisfying, once we have success, we can take care of ourselves. We get bored with life. And then we can keep adding gadgets to distract ourselves from that boredom. But the new thrill, the new bliss, is making your life count after you're dead, frankly. It's making your life count beyond you. And some of us are very much there. Some of us, you know, I don't know, I've got to go home for four kids and the babysitter. Blah, blah, blah. You're not there, frankly. You're dealing with pleasure and success. And making your life count is a smaller part of your life. For some of us, it's where our bliss is going to be. So I'm asking you, find out what issue, when you ask yourself, what issue in the world is out there now that would give you an opportunity to make your life count, to make the world a better place? Where would you like to give your time and your attention and your talent? I mean, like to. See what comes up in your mind. I'd like to uh, summarize uh, the point which I'm hoping you will take with you today. And that is that among all the species, human beings are not surviving because we're bigger or stronger or faster. We're smarter. And what I mean by that is that our unique birthright is the greater capacity to create. We have greater ability to think ahead, to notice cause and effect, to imagine possibilities, to plan, to create a better future. Every one of us are born with those capacities. 
but they benefit us only if we know how to use them. And we know how to use them only if we know they're there and we practice using them. I would say that perhaps the most important mission that the Ethical Society community serves is to remind us of the possibility and the power of planning our life. And that starts with daring to dream. Um, today we're going to as we're have, a, have a luncheon workshop afterward. It's going to start at 1 o'clock. You can sign up in the lobby. We're going to order Chinese food together, so you can do that in the lobby too. But what we're going to be looking at is the creative process, step by step. How do you go from here? The question we'll begin with is similar to this question. And the question will be, what would I do if I were not afraid of making a mistake? And then we're going to take that and we're going to look at how to make the stumbling blocks into stepping stones. We'll start at 1 and we'll end at 3.30. And if you'd like to join us, please do. Uh, I want to close with making a personal statement. It starts with a warning, and that is to be careful what you dream for because you might get it. Uh, I'm going to be leaving this Wednesday for El Salvador. Um, a year ago, five of us went to Guatemala and El Salvador, and we visited uh, very rural villages, uh, places where people live in huts. They get their water by going to a stream, which happens to be a polluted. They're malnourished, illiterate. Their children walk uh, to schools if they go to school uh, for many miles. Um, they have such deficits um, having, I mean, they don't, they never see Sesame Street, they never see, uh, they never see a TV or a book. They have such deficits that very few go beyond the first, second grade. But in some of those communities, mothers have simply started preschools. Talk about program head start. They've simply started. They recognize that their children coming from the huts that they come from have no chance in classes of 50 and 100 kids to learn to read. And so they've just started. Alamandro, we've talked about many times, is one of those communities. It's got um, a school, four teachers. They have no books. They have no walls, school without walls. Uh, they have no paper. They have no pencils. Uh, they have 96 kids. To see that, to see illiterate parents simply starting a preschool, moves you to tears. So, in the truck on the way back, we began writing a grant proposal. And um, we had to do something, you know. It was to, I don't know, to relieve our guilt, to deal with the feeling. Uh, but who knew? It got funded. And now we go back to do teacher training in 10 villages like this. And the curriculum, which had to be Paula Beckman from the University of Maryland, a member here, designed the curriculum. To institute the curriculum, they don't have any stuff. We've had to collect stuff. And a little measuring cups, books paper, pencils, on and on, stuff that you find in any uh, preschool. And so they will get the curriculum, they will get the training, and they'll get the most basic materials to implement it. Now, some people here, and this is where my gratitude is incredible, some people here, having not had that experience in that village, I mean, um, uh, Donna Duquette and Jay Barrymore, uh, Rice O'Dell, stepped up to the tune of many thousands of dollars to buy equipment for entire schools. And then many, many, many other people with smaller donations have produced uh, the total amount in, uh, from us is $20,000, maybe $30,000, somewhere in there, all in this last year. And the resources that we're bringing to these communities is just incredible compared to what they have there. And the fact that people here would just be that generous 
hearing five of us tell stories of where we've been just moves me greatly and I appreciate it. The other part that I'm grateful for is that you're allowing me to go. I mean, I'll be there for two weeks and be able to be your representative and frankly have that experience is perhaps one of the most, if not the most meaningful experience I've had in my life. And I, I thank you for supporting me and allowing me that, to do that. Um, but I also want to express a lot of gratitude to the fact that the work goes on here. And when I am gone, people, Mary, for example, who, by the way, she says she's on staff, but we pay her part-time and she works about double time. And when I go away, everything that would come to me falls to her. And I thank you, ma'am. As to Peggy, who runs downstairs, and, and Nancy Mandelcorn, our new administrator, and of course, Inga. I mean, they're our home base. And when I'm not there, they absorb more. And so when I say thank you, I have to say especially thank you to you all, because you are the ones who are literally paying it. A final thought I'd like to leave you with is one that comes from Central America. You know, the original Western civilization which went from South America, Central America, all the way up to Northern America into the Native Americans. Uh, that civilization was a, a Mayan civilization. And the Mayans had a particular idea about um, the spiritual life uh, that I find uh, would be the most wonderful spiritual space to live in if I could only keep remembering it. And here it is. Each day is their God. God is a day. God is today. Each day is a God. And that God needs to be honored. Each day needs to be honored by the gift of our very best. So however we conceive of our best, let's make tribute to each day. Happy New Year.